Big thanks to our worship team. They always, always usher in the presence of God. Well, are you ready for the word this morning? You know, um, there's an anointing on the word that breaks the yoke. It just does. And we need worship, love worship, love the presence of God, but the truth will set you free. And he who the Son has set free, free indeed. So take a deep breath. Say, I'm about to get set free. Say, I love the word. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this time we have to come and hear from you today. Father, we just thank you that you are here. And by faith, we gather around your feet to hear what your word says. Until that day where faith is made sight. And we are sitting at your feet in heaven, hearing straight from the mouth of Jesus all your wonderful truths. I ask you to use me today. Speak through my words. Minister life and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to talk today um, out of 1 Corinthians 12. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. And my, my title is Pieces and Puzzles, and I actually have um, a little something-something we're going to talk about later. wonder what's in there. Um, but we, first, we're going to read a couple sections of Scripture, and we're going to stay in these two sections of Scripture pretty much the most day. I like to hop, skip, and jump around the Word, but we're going to just dig into these couple little places. So we're just going to dive right in. <clears throat> if you go to 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to start in verse 12, and we're going to read quite a bit of it. And this is actually a different translation. It's probably not going to match what you have in your Bible at all. It's called the voice translation. Has anyone heard of that one yet? It's an amazing um, transliteration, actually, but kind of like the message, but it's an actually, I love the way that it puts this section of scripture. And we're talking about the body of Christ here. And the apostle Paul says, just as a body is one whole made up of many different parts and all the different parts comprise the one body. So it is with the anointed one. We were all ceremonially washed through baptism together into one body by one spirit. No matter our heritage, Jew or Greek, insider or outsider, no matter our status, opposed or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. And here's what I mean. The body is not made of one large part, but of many different parts. Would it seem right for the foot to cry, I am not a hand, so I couldn't be part of this body. Even if it did, it would not be any less joined to the body. And what about an ear? If an ear started to whine, I am not an eye, I shouldn't be attached to this body. In all its pouting, it is still part of the body. Imagine the entire body as an eye. How would a giant eye be able to hear? And if the entire body were an ear, how would an ear be able to smell? This is where God comes in. God has meticulously put this body together. He placed each part in the exact place to perform the exact function that he wanted. If all members were a single part, where would the body be? So now many members function within the one body. The eye cannot wail at the hand. I have no need for you. 
nor could the head bellow at the feet, I won't go one more step with you. It's actually the opposite. The members who seem to have the weaker functions are necessary to keep the body moving. The body parts that seem less important we treat as some of the most valuable and those unfit, untamed, unpresentable members we treat with an even greater modesty. That's something the more presentable members don't need. But God designed the body in such a way that greater significance is given to the seemingly insignificant part. That way there should be no division in the body. Instead, all the parts mutually depend on and care for one another. If one part is suffering, then all the members suffer alongside it. If one member is honored, then all the members celebrate alongside it. You are the body of the anointed, the liberating king. Each and every one of you is a vital member. And then we're going to skip over to Ephesians 4. We're going to read verses 15 and 16. It says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So guess what we're going to talk about today? The body. But I have been, um, had this phrase in my heart, actually this verse, verse 16, in the King James Version, it says that the body functions by what every joint supplies. And that kind of has been rolling around in me for a while. So I've been studying this and meditating on every joint giving its supply. But I've seen, especially lately, two major places where the enemy has been attacking the church. And um, it's almost like the immune system in the church can, is down in these two areas. And I've heard it from different people. I've heard it from men and women, older, younger, different ones. These two questions, am I significant? And do I need the body? And does the body need me? Am I significant? And I've heard it more times than I care to count, these insecurities that rise up. Am I making a difference? Do I matter? Am I significant? And it always, the person is always coming at it from, um, I'm kind of down here. I don't really matter. I don't see my part. I don't see my significance. And so we want to kind of look at these two questions in light of the scriptures that we just read. Am I significant? We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12. Hop over back there. We're going to hop back and forth between these two sections of scripture. But this time I'm going to read it in the message translation. And I'm actually going to read verses 14 through 18. And it says, I want you to think about how how all this, the body, makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. 
It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot says, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from your body? If the body was all eye, how can it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. So we want to look at this section of scripture in light of the question, am I significant? Because these two questions scream insecurity, right? Has anybody else seen that? Has anybody ever asked the question, am I significant? Do I matter? What's my part? Do I make a difference? <clears throat> So these two questions, or these two things here, and they just scream insecurity. I'm not a foot, so I guess I don't matter. I'm not a hand, I guess I don't matter. I'm not an eye, I guess I don't matter. I'm not significant. All right, let's put it into our terms. I can't sing like Pastor Michael. I guess I'm not that important. I can't teach like Pastor Dan Prox. I guess I don't really matter. I don't have anything to give. Has anybody thought those? And within this question, am I significant, we fall into two different traps. And the first one is the comparison trap. I guess I'm not like Pastor Michael, so I guess I don't matter. I'm not making a difference. If I could make a difference like he's making a difference, Look at how amazing he is. And I guess I'm nothing. And so we fall into this comparison trap where we're not meeting. I don't meet my own expectations of myself. And I was recently at a conference in Atlanta for my job. And it, it was a <clears throat> conference that they put on just for their own people to kind of regroup and come together. They have affiliate offices all over the United States. So once a year, they meet together. And the, they kind of go through what's working for me, what's not working for me. And I was sitting through all these different meetings. And we kind of went into this breakout session. And I'm just there to set up chairs and, and meet everybody. That's pretty much my job. I don't have much to give here. <clears throat> but we were sitting in this, this session. And everyone's talking. And they're almost depressed. Because it, it doesn't seem like they're having success. And what they were trying to do was make contact with customers. That was their big thing. Not customers, but givers, donors. The company um, funnels money to the kingdom. So they meet with donors who want to set up funds to just give money to the kingdom. It's amazing. It's an amazing company. But their whole, the whole job of these people was to make contact. And so they were all talking about how they would call and they would get um, voicemail or they would call and they would talk to the person but they were in a hurry and they were they would call but they would not get maybe the response that they had been expecting and so they had these expectations of what success looked like success would be them wanting to get together and have lunch or hook for coffee or whatever and I I just had this bubble up in me what is your definition of success and so I, they opened it up to questions, and so I, I meekly raised my hand because I have nothing to offer. I don't know even what these people do when they meet with their clients. But I said, you know, I just really feel like we need to, to settle on what is your definition of success? What does success look like in this 
situation. What you're, what I'm hearing is success is I made contact. What you're saying is success is they donate a million dollars. What is your point of contact? What is the point of the meeting? And so they all took a deep breath and were like, oh yeah, let's define success because their expectations were unrealistic. And so sometimes we set expectations on ourselves that are unrealistic And I guess because I'm not Pastor Michael, I can't be part of this body. Right? The other side of the expectation trap or comparison trap is people setting unrealistic expectations on you. Have you ever had that happen? Hmm? Raise your hand, raise your feet, whatever. Has anybody ever tried to set an unrealistic expectation on you? And how does that make you feel when you don't measure up? Not good. I have had, I cannot tell you how many times people have come up to me and asked me when I was going to sing with Pastor Michael. (laughs) And I said, well, if you would like people to stay in the worship service, that would not be such a great idea because I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I make a very joyful noise to the Lord and I try to stand in front of everybody so nobody's projecting out and nobody behind me can hear I make a joyful noise. True story. When Allie was one or two, I was singing to her. She asked me to sing to her now, but then I was singing to her a lullaby, and she was like, she covered my mouth. She's like, no, Mama, don't do that. (laughs) Now she only lets me sing to her. Mm -hmm. She's gone tone deaf in the last couple of years. When I was working for the youth in another church, um, I, we had this bowling night. And I don't bowl. I don't pretend to like it. I don't pretend to know how to do it. I don't pretend to be what, do well at it. But the leaders kind of got paired together, and it was one person threw the first ball and the other person threw cleanup. And so I always had to throw the first ball. So f- the, the girl they paired me with was like on a leagues. I'm like, are you professional, you know? So the poor thing, they paired her with me. I had never bowled before. So after the fourth or fifth round, I'm bowling. She sits down and she pats me and she goes, honey, I'm sure you're good at a lot of other things. <laughs> and I was like, that's a nice way of saying that I stink. <laughs> no, it really is a nice way of saying that bowling is not my strength. How many of you have strengths? How many of you have weaknesses? We all do. Just because we can't sing like Pastor Michael doesn't mean we don't have value. And just because we can't teach like Pastor Dan Prox does not mean that we don't have value. God has placed within each and every one of us a unique purpose and a unique gift for the body. Every single one of us. And it might not meet my expectations, and you might not be, meet somebody else's expectations, but at the end of the day, if you have met God's expectations, you've done enough. You have done enough. You don't have to meet somebody else's expectations. Do I meet God's expectations? We're living for an audience of one here. And it doesn't matter if I meet somebody else's. It doesn't matter if I disappoint whoever wants me to come sing with Pastor Michael because in the end, I'm really doing him a favor (laughs) by not getting up there. But does that make sense? 
We don't want to fall into the comparison trap that because I'm not a hand, I can't be a part of the body. Or because I'm not a foot, I can't be a part of the body. Because guess what? You're valuable. You can live without a hand, right? It's like a visible part of the body. Pastor Michael, Pastor Dan, all these ones are visible parts of the body. We're hand, we're feet, we're mouth, whatever. You can live without a hand, can't you? Can you live without your blood vessels? Can you? (laughs) Can you live without your stomach? Can you see those? Do they not have value because you can't see them? They have tremendous value. There are two signature slides. We can go to the first one. This is my signature. I am right hand. Please don't try to copy it. (laughs) I am right-handed. So this is my right-handed signature. All right, go to the next one. Now, I attempted to write it with my left hand, which it's still legible, but go to the next one. But not quite as pretty, is it? Your right hand will never be your left hand. Your left hand will never be your right hand. The body, if someone's not given their part, if someone's not taken their place, if someone's saying, I'm so insignificant and I have no value and do I matter, and I just kind of fade off into the background and don't give my part, your body's going to compensate. But your left hand will never be your right hand. And your hands will never be your feet. And nothing can replace your blood vessels. (laughs) You can walk on your hands. Has anyone ever tried it? Anybody ever tried it? I have. When I was little, I did gymnastics. I could walk on my hands. I could flip all over the place. My hands and my feet did crazy things. Not anymore, because I I like to live. But, (laughs) and I am not dying soon, Carmela. No. (laughs) I know, you met the flesh. I love that. But um, the body will compensate if you don't take your part. But it won't be right. Something will be lacking right? If somebody has a a hand amputated or a a foot amputated or something missing, it's not because it was healthy, it's because it was unhealthy. And guess what that makes the body? They call it deformed. They call it a deformity. How'd you get your deformity? And God doesn't want his body deformed. He wants every part working and flowing together, every joint supplying, and you have a supply to give. And it's time that we kick those insecurities out the door that our mind and the enemy throw at us, telling us that that just because I can't sing like Pastor Michael, I have no value. Well, yes, you do, because you are going to reach people that Pastor Michael could never, ever touch with your unique gift and your unique personality and your skill set. You're going to reach people that we could never touch. But not if you're hiding it. You've got to let it out. Each part, every joint supplies. Amen. So are you significant? Yes. Let's say it out loud. Say, I I am am significant. significant. Say, I matter. matter. Do you believe it? 
Look at yourself in the mirror every day and say that over and over and over until you believe it. You'll be surprised what a difference that'll make in your life. You know, I was always fascinated with the miracles that John G. Lake would perform and Smith Wigglesworth would perform. But you know what they did every day? They looked in the mirror and they said to themselves in the mirror, the power of God lives in that man over and over and over until they believed it. So if you're not believing it, if you're still thinking I'm not significant, Look at yourself in the mirror. You are significant. If for no other reason than that the the power of the living God lives on the inside of you. We downplay ourselves and we need to upplay him. I only have anything of value to say when he gives it to me to say. But he gives me things of value to say. You have a gift. And he will let, give you the boldness and the unction and the ability to use the gift that he's put inside you. I look at other people and wish I were them. I look at Pam Gregory. Anyone know Pam Gregory? She's like the ultimate hostess. I am not. Like you come to my house and I'm just barely throwing it together and I am so stressed out. And you just go to her house and she's like, got it all together and it's decorated and there's just cookies and it's all fancy. And I'm like, God, I wish I had that gift. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? But you have to be confident and sure enough in yourself to get away from that comparison trap that just because you're not like someone else, you're not valuable. And to get away from that expectation trap that just because you don't, it's not what you thought it was going to be or what other people wanted you to be, that you don't matter and you're not valuable. You are significant. Amen. So the second question was, do I need the body? And does the body need me? I have heard more times than I care to count people that stopped going to church and say, I can just be a Christian by myself. Well, you can, but are you going to be fully healthy? Let's look at that. 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to read 25 through 27 in the Message Bible. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If only one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Is there more? Yes, only as you accept your part in of that body does your part mean anything. And so before, um, before I got saved, I was a pretty independent person. I can do it myself. I can do it myself, thanks. I don't really need anybody. I was very independent. And so then when I got born again, I found myself fighting that dependence. But I don't think he even really wants us to just be dependent on one, one another. I need you and I need you for everything. No, we're complete in him. But there's a word that I like to think about when I think about the body. It's called interdependence. We're internally dependent on each other. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. And if you think of it, a body part, um, if my arm were not attached to my body and it were just laying over there, would the arm have any function at all? You'd be able to tell what it was 
right? Because we recognize an arm. And you would know what it was supposed to do, but unless it was actually attached to my body, it would have no significance, no meaning. It would have no function. It couldn't work right. Does that make sense? We're interdependent. And I want to look at this like a puzzle. I love puzzles. I am one of those crazy puzzle doers, and I get a little driven to finish. I'm a little, Michael's looking at me. <laughs> He's like, yeah, think. So um, I'm more in a day. Like a thousand piece puzzle, if it's not done that day, I'm like stressing. And he's like, well, we're hungry. And I'm like, well, order pizza. I'm doing a puzzle. I love puzzles. I just think they're very interesting. So these are individual puzzle pieces, as are these. And I brought this basket, and I'm going to leave it up here if you want to pick a piece of puzzle up before you go home to keep it with you, tuck it in your Bible. Every time you look at it, I want you to answer these questions that I am significant and I need the body. So we have these individual puzzle pieces. Does this mean much? Not much. We know it's a puzzle piece. We know those two pieces were puzzle pieces. We don't know where they fit. We don't know what they go next to. We don't really know what they are. And this one is blue which could be a lot of different things. It could be sky. It could be ocean. It could be part of a blue door. It could be part of a blue sweater. It could be part of a piece of modern art that's just a blue splotch on a canvas, and they call it art. And that's cool for them, but I like pictures. So most of the puzzles I do are actual pictures, but we don't know what this is. So this is the same kind of thing as what's going on in this basket. It's just a jumbled mess of puzzle pieces, isn't it? And none of those pieces really has a significance, right? They do. They're just not in place. So they have meaning. They have value. They have significance. They have an identity. They are part of something. But when you see them like that, can you tell? No. Okay, go to the next slide. But God, yeah, this was one of my I'm driven to finish in a day puzzles. <laughs> but it's um, God has put each piece exactly where he wanted it. And it makes a beautiful puzzle. And you, you could jam this in the wrong place, which has anyone ever done that? <laughs> and it might look like it fits ish, kind of fits but it's not the right piece in the right place. So go to the next one. Does this annoy anybody but me? <laughs> I hate it when I get to the end of a puzzle and it's missing a piece. And you're looking all over the floor and then all of a sudden you go, which kid took it because they wanted to finish the puzzle? <laughs> but when the puzzle is missing pieces, is it a complete puzzle? I want to read... Um, Ephesians 4 again. I lost it. I found it. And I'm going to read verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And this is the King James Version. It says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, 
It causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So what happens to the body if a part doesn't give its supply? It dies. It dies. It says every piece, every part gives its supply that the body grows and is healthy and is full of love. Now, I just want to think about this. Because your supply matters. And you are significant. And some of you are going to walk out of here today and still feel like I have nothing to give. Like what I give doesn't matter. It's so small. What can what I have to give have any meaning to the body of Christ? But I want to think about the Apostle Paul. He was an amazing man, right? Wrote three quarters in the New Testament. Went on countless ministry journeys, missionary journeys, Thousands and thousands of people came to the Lord under his ministry, right? But who thinks that he set out, I got up one morning and just said, you know what? I'm going to write the Bible today. Is that what happened? No. I am so important and so valuable and what I have to say just matters so much that I'm going to get up and write three quarters of the New Testament today. No. Did Paul think highly of himself at all? If you read through his epistles, he said over and over and over, I am the least of all. I'm the least of all. I'm the least of all. So he dealt with this too, right? Now, what if Paul hadn't done the little things? The things that we look at and think, well, that doesn't matter. What difference is that going to make? What difference is me sending a text to encourage somebody today going to make in their life? Well, it's such a little thing, it doesn't really matter what do I have to give. But the Apostle Paul did not get up and, and commit to write three quarters of the New Testament. All he did was write letters. Letters. That's all the epistles are. His letters to the churches. He was either going or wanting to go to a church and he wrote to them in advance or he was answering questions that they had asked him in letters. And he took the time to sit down and respond to a letter. Such a little thing. But because he didn't despise the little thing, because he didn't think that he was so insignificant that he had nothing to say, and that the little things mattered to him, we have the truths of Christ that we have today. But what would have happened if Paul didn't give his supply? Would the body be growing together and full and healthy and full of love? It would be lacking, wouldn't it? And it's the same with you. And you're going, well, I'm not the Apostle Paul. Well, he didn't know he was either. He didn't know he was either. You matter. Your supply matters. And I'm just going to be a cheerleader today for you to give it. Give your supply. And sometimes we sit there and go, oh, I wish somebody would just. I wish somebody would just. If somebody would just have this Bible study or if somebody would just do this thing or if somebody would just get a group together at Panera every Tuesday night, I wish somebody would just, well, say I'm somebody. You're somebody. Maybe that's your supply. Those little things, those little thoughts, those little desires that come up in your heart, that's your 
supply. And God needs you to give it. If you don't give it, then somebody's going to be lacking. Somebody else is going to be lacking. You need to give your supply. And I just wanted to close with this. It's not on there, but it's in Malachi chapter 3. And it doesn't, your supply doesn't have to be, don't get wrapped up that it has to be this this five-part Bible study and I've got to really, we're going to read this. And this is, Verse 16, it says, Then those whose lives honored God got together and talked it over. And God saw what they were doing and listened in. And a book was opened in God's presence and minutes were taken of the meeting with the names of the God-fearers written down, all the names of those who honored God's name. So this was it. All those that feared the Lord got together and talked. They talked about him. They talked story. All they did was share what they knew of him with someone who didn't know what they knew of him. And God listened in and he heard it. And he made a whole book of remembrance about that conversation. And that's as easy as it gets to giving your supply. Start where you can start. Start where you are. Talk your story with someone. Because what you have been through might bless her. Because she might be going through the same thing. And if God got you through, and then that gives her hope to know that God's going to get her through. And then she leaves encouraged. And guess what? The body's growing and healthy and full of love. So say, I will give my supply because I am significant. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this time we had to share around your word. And I pray that you would take my insufficient way to to teach it and break it apart to each one of them as they leave. Help bring something alive on the inside of them. Reveal their gift, their call, their supply to them, Father, so they can walk in it and walk in your fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, look, my hair clip is still on the basket. That's funny. (laughs) Don't forget to come up here and get your puzzle piece to remind you that you are valuable. So, but I want to have you stand. We're going to speak the blessing today. God's word ministers life. It ministers grace, doesn't it? There's power in our words. And so I bless you in the name of the Lord to walk in significance, to know your place in the body, to know how valuable you are so that you can give your supply and that river of life will flow from you this week and bring life and healing to everyone you come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen.